Hello and welcome to Parley, the Hindu's weekly podcast discussing issues of contemporary relevance. I'm S. Anandan, your host for today. Thirteen civilians and a soldier were killed in Nagaland's Mond district in an ambush laid by the armed forces, the Assam rifles to be specific. Uh, presumably based on wrong intelligence about movement of insurgents in the area on December 4th this year. The incident, which is reminiscent of what came to be known as the Malam Massacre by the same paramilitary force back in the year 2000 in Manipur, uh, in which uh, 10 civilians were gunned down in a similar attack, has put the focus back on the moral and legal validity and the political efficacy of the Armed Forces Special Powers Uh, Act of 1958, which is uh, known as AFSPA, AFSPA, and its later avatars in several other states in India in dealing with the problem of uh, uh, insurgency. AFSPA traces its origins to the Rajura to 1942, when the British enacted the law in its original form to quell the Quit India movement, and which continued to hold in the form of ordinances immediately after India's independence. While the Act gives a legal framework within which the armed forces operate in regions designated as uh, disturbed by the centre and the respective state, it has time and again come under criticism for being amenable to gross misuse, allowing excesses by the security forces, a fact that's been highlighted by various committees that looked into the extrajudicial killings, alleged extrajudicial killings and rights violations in the region. In the wake of the latest episode of killing of civilians, which is said to be a case of uh, a mistaken identity, it's only fitting to examine if the AFSPA has in any way helped in the political integration of those regions or whether it has unwittingly catalyzed further alienation of the people over there. I'm S. Anandan from the Hindu and with me today to discuss the issue are Patricia Mukim, a Patmasri awardee and a writer, social activist, social science researcher and editor of the Shillong Times, who knows the region like the back of her hand and a former member of the National Security Advisory Board uh, as well. And Major General retired Gajinder Singh, who has commanded a battalion along the Indo-China border an Assam rifle sector engaged in counterinsurgency operations in the Northeast and a mountain division which is responsible for guarding the line of actual control and which also uh, oversees uh, counterinsurgency operations in the area. He was a military observer at the UN mission in Angola, chief chief of uh, integrated mission training in Ethiopia and Eritrea and chief of operations uh, in the UN mission in Sudan. So, uh, these are my two guests and uh, we'll start the discussion now. I'll start with what uh, Sandosh Hegde Committee, which was appointed by the Supreme Court to look into just six of the 1,528 alleged extrajudicial killings noted. Uh, the continuous use of the uh, courts, uh, the continuous uh, use of the AFSPA for decades in Manipur has evidently had little or no impact on the insurgency situation, unquote. All six cases it looked into, it said, were egregious examples of UFSPA's gross abuse. Uh, 
the most recent killings were in nagaland and the situation is in very different in places where the act is in force so has the act been effective or has it been counterproductive in regions where it is in force that is my first question uh, patricia ma'am you can start answering we can see from uh, what is evident very evident that the act has not succeeded in its mission to contain uh, you know these elements insurgent elements because even today in manipur you have about 32 active militant outfits in nagaland at least because of the peace talks most of them have come under one umbrella the nsnim is there but the nsnim is very ambiguous in its demands because uh, the demand for a separate flag and a separate constitution is fraught you know it it means that the nsnim knows that these are not easily negotiable uh, deals and therefore is sticking on to it but having said that uh, i think it's also important to understand that uh, you know the different at different points of time the supreme court has dif- given different orders in one of them it says uh, a a grave situation of law and order must occur for a region to be declared a disturbed area and that no arbitrary and unguided power has been conferred in the matter of declaring a region as a disturbed area the top court further ruled that section 3 of the afspa afspa cannot be construed as conferring a power to issue a declaration without any time limit the reason why the disturbed areas act is reviewed every 6 months is because without the disturbed areas act in place you cannot have afspa in 2015 the chief minister of tripura revoked the disturbed areas act and with that even afspa went off because he said that we, we the killings have reduced militancy has come down i mean the killings from militancy has come down so we don't need this act because it's become just a, a, a sort of damocles that hangs over our heads and is uh, you know is open to abuse so the the armed forces special powers act if you ask me should go because it is a colonial act and because it shows that the country lacks imagination that it cannot come up with an anti insurgency or a counter insurgency force because when you are using the army against your own people you are actually abusing the army because the army is trained for a different sort of action it's trained to fight the enemy it's not trained to fight its own people but if you send the army in to fight its own people and then they do that and then you again you know get into an uproar about abuse of the afspa and i think it you know you you're making the the army very schizophrenic that's right thank you uh- now uh, major general gajinder singh uh, i feel that uh, the appropriate question that need to be asked is whether the employment of armed forces has been effective has it given us any results or not well to answer that i would say that normalization of situation in many parts of the country beat mizoram tripura kachhar hills of assam upper assam terap changlang khonsa longding districts of uh, 
अरुणाचल प्रदेश और एरियाज साउथ ऑफ पीर पंजाल इन जम्मू एंड कश्मीर देन डेफिनेटली आर्म्ड फोर्सेस एम्प्लॉयमेंट इन दीज एरियाज हैव मेड ए लॉट ऑफ डिफरेंस इन फैक्ट रिमूवल ऑफ आर्म्ड फोर्सेस स्पेशल पास एक्ट फ्रॉम मिजोरम एंड त्रिपुरा एंड एब्सोल्यूट नॉर्मेलिसी इन दीज स्टेट्स इज अ टेस्टिमनी टू वॉट आर्म्ड फोर्सेज हैव बीन एबल टू डू एंड ऑफकोर्स armed forces couldn't have done uh, without legal provisions for their employment in uh, counter insurgency areas also i would like to say that final solution to insurgency or terrorism is not military in nature it is political and economical the army and the armed forces special powers act has done its bit and normalize the situation many times both in jnk and in the northeast however uh, i feel that uh, the state governments and to a certain extent the central government has not been able to retain the initiative and carry forward the political process so in my view army and the armed forces have done a commendable job uh, in uh the disturbed areas of our country patricia ma'am you pointed out uh the the political aspect of it like uh, some of these states uh have been unwilling to uh, revoke uh, of spa but recently after this outing incident uh, we have had three cms nagaland meghalaya and manipur demanding its repeal and actually there were uh, previous uh, several occasions before where such demands were made but then manipur and assam uh, have historically shown unwillingness uh, to have the act rolled back so doesn't it actually i mean it 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 uh, poses two questions doesn't it uh, undermine india's federalism one because in uh, on occasions when the center is unwilling to pay attention to the state's demand and now with regard to the states uh, isn't it leading to a situation where the states are using it as a political tool to subjugate and deny the people their fundamental rights than to support the center and have the armed forces fight the insurgency maybe you know what is needed is a referendum on the armed forces special powers act i think people need to vote for or against it because uh, you know it's like now it's like playing football between the state governments and the center as i said earlier in tripura uh, the chief minister mr manik sarkar removed the Dis- uh, disturbed areas act he revoked section 3 of the armed forces special powers act which is to declare any any area that is uh, you know that that shows a breakdown of law and order it shows a certain amount of of conflict to be declared a disturbed area now mr manik sarkar did not do anything extraordinary he just revoked the disturbed areas act and the afspa automatically went away so why are the other state governments not doing the same that is a simple question i'm asking why play politics with afspa 
I, I think that's the last thing you want to do in this country, to play politics with every issue that afflicts people in general. So it's been done by both the Congress and uh, the BJP governments in these yeah, two places. Yeah, all, all, all governments, all governments from 1958 onwards. One can understand that at that time in 1958, the country was in no position to understand its uh, its periphery, you know. Uh, the the nation building process was still at its uh, at it at its uh, nascent stage. People were unsure whether they belong to India or they belong to their independent little principalities. So it was a time when even the nation was not sure of itself. So to have the military bring in uh, a certain degree of uh, of law and order in a conflict situation for a short period would have been perhaps forgiven. But this act is not meant to continue forever. You can't use the army against your own people forever. It's wrong. It's ethically, morally, and legally wrong. That's right. Sir, so, so, so your response to it? Firstly, I, I totally agree with uh, Patricia that uh, prolonged deployment of uh, uh, nation's armed forces uh, for internal security duties is not uh, something which is very desirable. Uh, no one wants to be uh, fighting its own people. So that uh, point absolutely taken and I endorse that. Uh, as far as uh, uh, giving recommendations to the government regarding AFSPA uh, from the state governments, I feel that the governments need to take a review of their security situation. They need to see whether they need the presence of the army and the Assam rifles in their state. They need to see whether their police forces are capable of handling the situation. If they feel that they don't require the Assam rifles or the army, then they should ask for withdrawal of the army and these forces from their states. Uh, AFSPA is just a tool. It is a legal provision uh, for the army to operate in these areas. So uh, that is not the important. What is important is that they should take a call whether they need the army and other central armed police forces or not in their state. That's right. Uh, but, but sir, I have a point to make here. If you recall a couple of years ago, uh, Lieutenant General Huda, uh, a former army commander, had written an article uh, in which he said uh, it's it's better to replace AFSPA with something which is... Uh, acceptable to the people. Uh, he cited a couple of reasons for this. He said, AFSPA is being viewed as an abomination in the first place. Secondly, for the soldiers combating insurgency on ground, the Supreme Court's action of setting up a CBI uh, a special investigation team to look into or rather reopen alleged uh, uh, fake encounters and extra legal killings uh, gave rise to the possibility of legal harassment uh, of uh, armed forces personnel post-retirement over this. So uh, he, he said this was a confidence-shattering move vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, uh, the armed forces personnel. And uh, looking at it from the people's point of view, there has been a, a constant and uh, continuous uh, mistrust of this. 
so he said uh, it is it is better that uh, this is replaced uh, with something which is more acceptable to the people what is your take on that sir uh firstly uh, uh frankly speaking i am not aware of uh, uh, this particular article but not withstanding what he would have said uh, there are many other people uh, who have said that there's a need to some people have said that there's a need to repeal this act uh, some people uh, feel that there's a need to modify this act some people feel that it needs to be replaced with something else uh, if i'm correct uh there are many committees which have uh, commented on this issue which includes the uh, justice uh, jivan reddy committee it includes the uh, justice verma committee and there was another report uh, uh, on public order and second uh, administrative reforms committee that also mentioned something like that <coughs> but uh, i am um, having served in uh, these areas for very 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 long time uh, i am the of the opinion that definitely we can we can uh, make a few changes Uh, which uh, um, uh, are uh, can be incorporated in the act itself it can be definitely made more humane uh, but more than that i feel uh, it is a issue of uh, perceptions uh, i think uh, the data does not actually support uh, the um, the allegations uh, or the or the bad opinion about the armed forces special powers act uh, i will say that uh, Mm, the uh, many times the supreme court has held the uh, legality of this particular act uh, as also the uh, supreme court has endorsed and approved the do's and don'ts which were laid out by the uh, army headquarters uh, and uh, also uh, at the at the ground level the commanders uh, the soldiers are extremely sensitive uh, and they know that they are operating against their own people they can't be just uh, letting loose so i feel yes minor modifications can be there we can have a separate discussion on that uh, but uh, absolutely repealing it or uh, replacing it with something else i don't think is going to work if you want armed forces to operate in these areas they need to have legal provisions uh, that's it from my side yeah patricia ma'am to add to this uh referring to the cba investigation the sit investigation into uh, uh 39 of these uh, uh alleged fake encounters uh the in, uh, which you mentioned about uh, in your answer the investigation hasn't reached anywhere in the first place and secondly although the cba charge sheeted uh, uh, some people in some 17 cases the government of india has apparently not given its permission to prosecute even a single member of the armed forces uh with regard to these cases now uh, doesn't that uh, show that there is hardly any mechanism whereby you can have some accountability on the part of the armed forces when it comes to opspa there isn't any mechanism at the moment because uh, see government of india also has its hands tied if it uses the army it cannot also disable the army by you know removing certain clauses or uh, diluting the act in some way uh, and the army will not want to operate in that kind of situation what is important to to discuss here is why is it that the army is not used in the maoist affected areas of central india of jharkhand and chatisgarh they also people are killed the armed forces are killed i mean the uniformed forces 
uh, when General B.K. Singh was asked why he is not, uh, will he be sending the army to fight uh, the Naxals there? He said, no, the army will never fight its own people. So the question is, is are the people of the Northeast, are the people of Jammu and Kashmir not India's own people, that they have to be fought with the army? Yes. Sir, your response to it, sir? Well, uh, again, uh, I really, I'm not sure when John V.K. Singh would have made this statement. No, uh, if, you, if you Google, you'll find that. Uh, sure, ma'am. I'll, I'll, I'll have a look at it. Uh, but having served in the uh, Northeast for seven, ten years, right from my uh, lieutenant days, I was commissioned into the Army in Nagaland in 1985. I can speak Nagamese quite fluently. I have many friends there and I repeatedly gone back there, uh, not for, uh, uh, you know, for any other reason, but I have a lot of love for Northeast. Uh, so to say that uh, because army is being employed only Northeast because it is not being considered as part of the country, I think it, there can't be any wrong assumption than that. Uh, I would definitely like to, you know, uh, correct this perception that uh, uh, North is, Northeast is very close uh, to the hearts of uh, people of India, especially people like me. Uh, so uh, that is my take on this particular issue. Sir, sir regarding the issue of uh, deploying the armed forces to fight insurgencies, although we call them uh, uh, light intensity conflicts, they are no longer light intensity and uh, uh, the army armed forces uh, have been accused of uh, indulging in excesses. So is it is it prudent to continue to deploy the armed forces rather than the police to uh, uh, combat insurgencies? Uh, I, I mentioned to you earlier that no, it is not appropriate to uh, deploy uh, army, especially for prolonged periods. That is the reason why we went in for creation of Rashtri Rifles, although it is an extension of the army in some form. And that is why army is not operating, but Assam Rifles is operating. So it is not desirable at all. And we would want uh, that the uh, uh, the armed police forces, also the state police forces are uh, enabled and they are able to control the situation on their own. That would be the best situation for this country to happen. Uh, the army should actually be uh, preparing for war uh, and against external aggression all the time. Right. Uh, Ma'am, back to you. Uh, there is this argument that the continuous enforcement of APSPA uh, has derailed the peace process in the region. Uh, you uh, made a mention of uh, how uh, uh, the peace uh, talks with NSE and IM has actually uh, disenchanted uh, quite a large sections of people in the region and how it is creating a problem uh, uh, there. Uh, so, uh, so uh, has it actually help the peace process or it uh, it is only furthering or fomenting uh, the ongoing situation of violence in the region? See, there are two answers to that question. Number one, the question is to the NSCNIM. Why did it not put as a key point that the Armed Forces Special Powers Act should first be revoked and then we shall have the peace talks? They could have said that very clearly. Why are they saying it now? 
it's only now that they are you know clamoring to remove the armed forces special powers act just to join to the bandwagon they could have said it right at the beginning right in 1997 when they first uh, became party to the peace process then august uh, august 2015 the framework agreement nowhere was it said that they wanted the armed forces special powers act to be revoked now the the point is that if you go and assess the ground situation in nagaland people are traumatized because they are caught between the state and the non state forces the non state forces are still extracting extorting money from businesses from entrepreneurs from the government from government employees and even development funds you know are being shared with militant outfits so what is really happening in these in these states is uh, is pure uh, absence of law and order it's a complete breakdown of law and order there's no governance and you know look at this look at the state of affairs where you don't even have an opposition anymore in the nagaland uh, assembly all the 60 have joined the government on the plea that they will facilitate the peace process or that you know they'll make way for for the peace processes to be conducted peacefully and to end the 25 year old peace process but that is also not happening you don't see that happening you know this this demand for a flag and a constitution how does it work for the naga inhabited areas of manipur where will the flag and the constitution be applied there because they have given up the demand for sovereignty and the government of india is very clear that it is not going to allow any territorial rearrangement so that means uh, you can't have a flag in in the naga inhabited areas of manipur because you're still under the state of manipur by asking you know by demanding for a flag and a separate constitution the nsnim just wants the peace talks to go on unresolved i don't think that they are sincere about bringing the peace talks to an end so uh the situation is not just a uh, uh, bad on ground it's uh, uh, the stasis is actually killing uh, especially for the people of uh, nagaland and uh, manipur since this demand for greater nagalim is never going to fructify right yeah uh, sir do you want to respond yeah. to this sir uh, i would you know uh, it's a very interesting uh, discussion uh actually uh, i uh, picked up two points from what patricia was saying and i i couldn't agree more with her uh, on both the accounts the first issue is regarding the situation of law and order in these states she only mentioned actually uh, you know um, uh, nagaland and parts of manipur but let me tell you that entire nagaland manipur uh the three districts of uh, uh of uh, uh, terap changlang and uh, longding uh, plus some parts of assam the situation is really bad i'll tell you how it is bad uh, what happens is that uh, you know there are large number of these highly indoctrinated some seditious and violent elements you know sometimes they are guided by ideology but mostly they are in business due to lure of money gun culture etc etc then uh, to a certain extent even the population uh, you know gets subverted 
and the lower level police and administration uh, also uh, is quite ineffective. Uh, let me tell you that it is a normal practice in all these uh, states, while she used the term extortion, extortion, and they lay taxes on everything that you do. Every household in Nagaland pays tax, house tax, it pays. It pays taxes for the same thing happens in Manipur and many other places. So, uh, if you look at media, the media, the vernacular media is very partisan. It is anti-government, mostly anti-India. I mentioned about the capacity of the local police forces, not up to the mark. In most of these disturbed areas, there is huge amount of communal, tribal and ethnic divides, which makes the local police quite uh, partisan again. So therefore, in such a situation, only force which comes as a ray of hope, which restores law and order and some kind of order in, in these places, is either the army uh, or the central uh, police forces that they come in who are actually fair and who do not actually get involved in anything else. So, you know, saying that withdraw off uh, and in the bargain send out army and all the police forces from there will not solve the purpose. It is just a political gimmick. I think we need to find a real answer to the problem. Yes, do modifications to the Armed Forces Special Powers Act it will be a good thing if we can do something about it. Now coming to NSCN IM. Again, I totally agree with Patricia. They are very happy in the present situation. They sit at some of their camps uh, in Nagaland, the major center being the Hebron camp. They keep moving around wherever they want to because there's a ceasefire in Nagaland. They not only stay in, um, they create confusion in Nagaland, they go into Manipur, they go into South Assam, they come into Assam, they go into uh, Arunachal Pradesh, and actually they are in a very, very happy situation. They have got no reason to actually seek peace and uh, conclude the peace process. So that is my take on this issue. Okay, which which means that uh, uh, while the people are, I mean, uh, the people at large are unhappy and there is a law and order situation that is being exploited by NSE and IM, uh, which is actually talking to the government uh, as part of this peace accord. Right, sir? Uh, yes, yes. not only NSCNIM, but there are many other splinter groups also. So they, and, uh, they, they keep mushrooming from here and there and you will find them. And they move in large groups. And, you know, you're talking about this incident in Moan. I've been in Moan for a very long time. Uh, I have seen groups of 40 to 50 NSCN I am moving and uh, uh, carrying out extortions and many other things. And uh, people from the K faction also doing the same thing. And what will what will the, uh, the army or the Assam rifles do? Will they just keep quiet? And especially when the in interstate movement is happening, when they are crossing over the, uh, the land borders of the country, they have to um, intervene and take action. What is that? Is what they are mandated to do. I, but then, I sir, why is it that, that we keep having incidents like the one that uh, happened in Mons, Mon, where uh, I mean, you get uh, totally wrong intelligence and then you act on it, and then end up cutting a sorry figure, uh, killing a lot of people, 
and then being accused of uh, 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 violence and breach of uh, all all existing laws of the country uh i think patricia wanted to say something uh, yeah that. yeah no Please. i wanted to say that uh, you know uh, the the nagala nagaland gambura association had written several times to the prime minister and to the home minister saying that we want you know whatever has been agreed upon with the nsnim please conclude the deal on those whatever has not been agreed upon let that be resolved peacefully but for some reason the prime minister and the home minister didn't respond to that so it means that you are not listening to the voices of civil society but you are only listening to people with the gun so the the, the you know you have put the people of nagaland in a situation where they are subverted by the gun culture they are in no position to speak up because speaking up has consequences at least thankfully now because of social media they are able to express themselves and you get to see what the real situation is and that is because social media affords anonymity okay is there a coming together of uh, uh, i mean different uh, organizations in the civil society part of the civil society against uh, some of these organizations and then uh, trying to also talk to the central government about it no this is what i said the naga gaumburas association it represents the entire 16 tribes of nagaland no so it's a, it's a very representative organization but the government of india is not willing to listen to them so your response to it sir uh, you know my a uh, personal take on this is that uh, nagaland uh, like any other uh, state of the northeast uh, is a tribal state and uh, here you know nscn im and in some areas other um, militant groups actually call the shots so really speaking uh, no other people uh, i'm quite happy to you know Uh, here this that uh, there is the gaon buddhas association has you know made a demand like this otherwise normally people will not raise any different point of view or give any other suggestion other than what nscn im or other dominant groups tell them to do it's rare to see any differing opinion or voices in this setup right now now starting from this uh... the manorama incident of 2004 and uh, it's it's been largely women and the uh, the weaker sections uh, who bear the brunt of having to live in a in an environment of uh, constant fear uh, repression surveillance suspicion all that so how has it affected life over there is it is it even possible to lead a normal life in these regions ma'am question to you um see people have learned to live when some things happen over a long period of time it becomes part of your culture so you learn to live with it although you are unhappy you you know you gripe over it but what else do you do you have no options you have a government that is held hostage by the nsnin and uh, then you on the other side you have people with the gun where do you go to where where is the 
light at the end of the tunnel for the people of Nagaland or for the people of Manipur for that uh, matter. And what about the other states, like apart from Tripura and Meghalaya, it is there in all the other states? Uh, it's it's in parts of Assam, Arunachal Pradesh. And I wanted to also uh, draw the attention of uh, the audience to the what has been mentioned by General uh, Gajinder, that there is this 1643-kilometer-long international border that is a free movement regime. So people from both sides can come 16 kilometers inside each other's territory for trade and commerce. And just this Monday, uh, you know, there was a big haul of rupees 500 crore worth of drugs. So the this, you know, this free movement regime has become a movement for, for smuggling arms, for smuggling drugs, and for the militants to move in and out very easily. In this kind of situation, how do you control things? Just, just tell me that. And shouldn't there be a stricter regime, you know, a, a border regime? Of course, the ter terrain is very, very difficult. I can understand that it's difficult to police that kind of terrain. But surely there must be other ways of controlling your border. If your borders are so porous, you'll definitely have all kinds of anti-national activities, no? General Gajinda, your response to this Myanmar uh, border? I'll, I'll first like to answer your uh, you know, initial question that is regarding the impact uh, of uh, the Armed Forces Special Powers Act on day-to-day -to -day lives of uh, the people, especially women, children. So uh, let me tell you that, uh, as I uh, mentioned to you, that... Uh, you know, the army presence is in these areas is not so formidable. You know, you will find one army post which has got 50 to 70, 80 people. Uh, and the next one would be 20, 30 kilometers, 40 kilometers away. And uh, one uh, of such posts will look after maybe uh, 5, 6, 7, 8 villages depending on uh, the area that is assigned to it. So the presence is not that formidable that, you know, as you look out from your window, you will find a army patrol moving around there. That is not the case. Uh, uh, and uh, barring few cases uh, of this nature, which is under investigation, so I can't really speak about it. Uh, there is, uh, it's not that every day a case happens. Uh, let me tell you that you can check on on the record that I was I was GOC for more than 14, 15 months in this area. I was I commanded a SAM rifle sector. Uh, in a very interesting area again, not even one case of human rights violation, not even one case of sexual uh, assault or sexual crime was reported to us. So it does not affect in the manner, the, the way it is being propagated. You know, there are some vested interests also. They will always, they would want that army should be discredited and it should be moved out from there and the playing field should be left open for them. So that is what I wanted to answer the first question. As far as talking about the Indo-Myanmar border, again, uh, the experience of Patricia and uh, her uh, knowledge about this area uh, is being reflected in the way she is, uh, you know, picking out the problems of our uh, or this region. So definitely, Indo-Myanmar border because of the traditional uh, free regime, the movement is free. And the second thing that the border is very, very rugged. 
and it is not like uh, india pakistan border where you can put a fence and you can ensure that movement would be um, would be controlled uh, but uh, having been responsible for a, a fairly large portion of this area nearly 500 kilometers i would like to say that things have improved uh, now because of the use of technology uh, because of forward movement of the um, assam rifle posts and um, a lot of communication has also improved sops have improved so i think the things are much much better and the very less movement of uh, you know uh, this currency uh, drugs and arms is now happening in fact uh, we always used to be waiting for any information of this nature uh, you know so so that we could uh, uh, get a big haul of weapons or drugs uh, but uh, we were not very fortunate because the movement was not so much yeah that's it yeah uh, thank you so much one last question to both of you so now that we have all realized that there is a problem with uh, army getting deployed uh, in disturbed areas where uh, army will certainly require some kind of protection uh, a legal protection uh, as a framework for carrying out their operations against uh, insurgencies so one pertains to the question of deployment of army second is with regard to whether the, the since the people do not want this whether there should be a referendum on keeping afspa or having something to replace this so is that the way ahead now and who should take the initiative uh, regarding that patricia ma'am uh, i would first like to address uh, general gajender and ask him how does he feel about manipur alone having 55000 security forces don't these security forces after a period you know develop a vested interest in a place and uh, then things just become um, a matter of course and uh, as far as answering your question about uh, a referendum i think it's high time we have one because if you leave it to politicians they are going to play around with this issue for vote bank politics they've done it before they will do it in the future also a referendum think, in individual states ma'am yeah individual states or or we can come together with, but that is a remote possibility because the northeast also has its own you know very uh, very divisive agenda uh, every state has a border problem with assam so we we find it very difficult to come together on any issue besides it also depends on which dispensation is ruling which state so the politics of it will always be there but now that the issue has gained momentum perhaps it's time that people come together under a common platform and say what they want to say you know it cannot be a, a back and forth back and forth only through the media people have to come together they have to go to delhi and express their views there in jantar mantar or you know you you have to at least show that you mean business otherwise this will become another dead issue before long thank you so your take on this uh firstly uh, as i mentioned to you uh, that you know armed forces special powers act uh, is definitely in fashion uh, and but it does not affect why it has not been repealed and why it has not uh been removed is because frankly speaking it does not affect so many people it is uh, uh, i as i mentioned to you there are hard, you know the n- number of cases 
violations that happen are far and few in between. Uh, the soldiers of the Indian Army Assam Rifles are well behaved, well disciplined, barring a few cases, uh, but there are not too many reports of such incidents. So uh, people at large are not against uh, this uh, presence of army and Assam Rifles in these areas. In fact, some of feel some of them feel confident and happy doing their routine work, normal businesses. They are quite happy with uh, the presence of the army. Therefore, referendum against Armed Forces Special Powers Act is not a logical thing to do. Logical thing for the people of these states is that they have elections every five years. They should take a call on the elections what governments they want. Why these governments repeatedly are not improving, creating conditions for the army and Assam Rifles to leave their states and go back to barracks, which is desirable and required by everyone. So they should go back to their leaders and tell them that please create conditions so that army can move out from our states and we would like to, we would like to live on our own. That is the correct way of dealing with the problem. Thank you so much, Patricia Ma'am and uh, General Gajinder Singh. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome, welcome.